Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 12th of August, and our market was up 24 at one point today. Currently up 4. Wall Street was up 220.6%, and as usual, the Nasdaq was down. So our tech stock's a little bit on the nose again today. APT down 1.7%, zero down 2.2%. Gold up a touch, Bitcoin down 2%, oil up 1.4%, iron ore up 2.5%. Major mover of the day is Rio down 6.8% as it goes predictably ex-dividend. BHP up 0.6%. It is record highs everywhere in the US and here. We had a 22-point rise in our market yesterday to a record high. Our market's now up 73% from the pandemic low and is up 5.8% from the pre-pandemic high. So you can ring up your industry fund and say, why isn't my fund up 73%? And I'll tell you why. From the very low in the pandemic, the ASX 200 is up 73%. But if you'd hesitated at all about jumping into the market at the lows, if you'd left it three weeks, the market's only up 36%. So in other words, half that 73% came in the first three weeks. So you had to be very, very quick. And it tells you a stock market lesson. Timing is everything at the extreme tops and bottoms. And he who hesitates is lost, which of course is a conundrum because he who doesn't hesitate is a trader. And traders are such, it's such a terrible thing to do, isn't it? Trading. But there you go. Quick all the dead in the stock market. I've got a chart of the ASX 200 in the strategy piece today. And you'll notice on that, it is a weekly chart. And you'll notice it is overbought. The RSI is 76 at the moment. Over 70 is overbought. There's no traditional sell signal yet, which is when it drops from above 70 to below 70, which I have to say is a bit arbitrary. But there you go. That's the customary definition of an RSI sell signal. All you really need to know is that the market's overbought and it's a fairly rare thing with a big index that has 200 stocks in it. It's low volatility, doesn't tend to have extremes of overbought and oversold. But here we are overbought for the first time or the most overbought we've been since 2019, middle of 2019. It's a fairly rare event, but there you go. And although I said the market's up 73% from the pandemic low, just to point out, we've been left behind by the US. The S&P 500 is up 103% from the pandemic low. The Nasdaq's up 124%. And from the pandemic high, pre-pandemic high, the S&P 500 is up 31% and the Nasdaq is up 51%. So we've been completely left behind. Of course, the reason for that is they've got two sectors, very well developed big sectors that we don't have in any size. One is investment banks. We've got high street banks. They've got investment banks, the likes of Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and Citibank, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And they have just gorged on the printed money. That's one reason their markets massively outperformed ours. Macquarie, by the way, is only up in line with the market since the bottom of the market. And the second driver of the US compared to Australia is, of course, the big technology end of the market, which has again gorged on a captive COVID audience stuck in front of their computers, bored to buggery, buying and clicking and spending their unused travel and holiday money. And that has so played out for the US market. So as I've mentioned before, if you've got the CEOs of big tech 
and the CEOs of the big investment banks into a private boardroom and asked them to rate the pandemic out of 10, they would all rate it 20 because it had been so fantastic for them. And probably the biggest risk to the market, stupidly, is if the pandemic went away because those big sectors in the US would become more compromised than they currently are. Right, other points of interest today. There there was a US headline saying stocks hit record highs as Fed tapering concerns ease. It's all about money printing. And there's a bit of Fed speak overnight, which suggests tapering is coming later rather than sooner. The CBA research after results yesterday, I've put a table of that in the re, in the strategy section today. It's pretty ugly. Most brokers have got target prices. In fact, all of them have got target price well below the current share price. The average target price is 14% below the current share price. Morgan's have got a reduced recommendation and a target price 24% below. Citigroup have got a sell. Macquarie and underperform. Credit Suisse have downgraded to underperform. Morgan Stanley underweight. Audminet hold. So the world has declared the CBA is overpriced, or the broking world at least. And you might think it's going to get pretty ugly, perhaps, after it goes ex-dividend and ex-entitlement, which I think it does both on August 17th, same date, which is, of course, Tuesday next week. So that might be the exit point for some people. Although if you look at the share price, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that trend. And it certainly doesn't look like it's going to end yet, maybe when it does. But the banks do traditionally underperform for a month or so after they go ex-dividend. In fact, it starts before they go ex-dividend seasonally. So maybe the same thing will happen. But I think if you're a CBA investor, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a share price at the moment, no matter what the brokers say. Let's see what it does after it goes ex-dividend and ex-entitlement. And of course, people are trapped in CBA at the moment. They want to hold the shares so they can tender them into the share buyback. So maybe the selling is going to be delayed anyway. Right, other things. Nickel up 3%, which is good for Poseidon Nickel, my favorite stock, which I hold PA, personal account. I keep having to declare that. And that's up 10% today. Whilst we're on one stock portfolio, picks Henry's Axe. AXE, Archer Materials, just hit $2, over $2, $2.09. And I've put some of our Facebook discussion group comments in the strategy piece today. One of which says, yes, well done, Henry Jennings. You possibly could have changed lives on this forum with your call. Another comment, the man's advice has changed my family's life. Another comment, a 10-bagger now for me. Another, almost a two-bagger for me. Anyway, this is what it's all about in the newsletter, of course, is making members money. And Henry has certainly done that with that pick. I would just point out for some of you who maybe are a little bit new to the stock market and have done very, very well in some of our stock picks, especially in Henry's section. Small companies are a cyclical sector. It is the perfect place to play an exuberant stock market. But I do warn you, and Henry will guide you, and Henry will tell you the same thing, that when the market turns nasty, this area, this small companies area is going to become a graveyard. And although we talk about a one stock portfolio pick being a 10 year pick, do be aware we are having an exuberant moment. And if you are lined up in a lot of stock picks, small stock picks with big profits, my humble advice is shoot first, invest later. 
You can always buy these stocks back, but when the market turns nasty, you be very careful in some of these. The other comment to make is that we do have a very active now Facebook stock discussion group. There's a link in the strategy piece today. I know a lot of you, like me, hate Facebook, hate the idea they're grabbing your details. And I utterly agree with you. But there is a lot of value going around on that discussion group. It is moderated by us. It is a friendly spot, not a nasty spot. We don't tolerate all the crappy bits of social media. I in particular hate social media with its cruel, anonymous, ugly criticism, which is almost the default use of social media to be nasty, not nice. Anyway, our Facebook discussion group is nice. And I would encourage anyone who is not on there, who is prepared to take on the risks of giving your details to Facebook in whatever shape you give them to Facebook, doesn't have to be your name, does it? To get involved and add to the conversation. It has obviously been fabulous for some people, as those comments have suggested. Right, sorry, moving on. Israel, this is a rather depressing piece of news. Considering locking down again, despite an 80% vaccination rate, Israel absolutely led the world in vaccinating people. If they're having to lock down, then what hope us? Canberra into a lockdown 5pm today. New South Wales, 345 cases. It's getting worse, not better still. Telstra has announced a $1.35 billion share buyback, which I don't think has surprised anyone too much. They are returning the proceeds of the Infraco Towers deal. Share price up 3.8%. Results are okay, not dazzling. The buyback is on market, not off market like CBAs. It's on market. So at the discretion of the company, they'll start buying shares or, or won't start buying shares till September the 16th. The general tone of the results is pretty good. They say, we are building financial momentum. Dividend maintained, which is a final of $0.05, cents, special of $0.03. Cents. Profit up 3%. Sales down 11%. So not dazzling. Okay. Telstra is hitting year highs at the moment. And let me just look at the research. The research will all change tomorrow after people have read the results. But the average target price slightly above the current share price at the moment. And out of five recommendations, four are buy recommendations. Average target price 4.2% above the current share price. Other stuff. Quickly. Before I get on to strategy, NAB down a touch after its third quarter profit update. Bit of a yawn. They've already announced their buyback, which was 3% of their shares. 2.5 billion. So no more goodies in the cupboard. The share buyback actually starts tomorrow, which you won't really see the effect of it. It is generally, if they decide to buy back, it is generally supportive of the share price. And if you don't understand a non-market buyback, I have sat on a desk institutional desk with a dealer handing handling the buyback for a major ASX 200 company. And I can tell you, he just sits there all day saying, buy 100,000, buy another 100,000, buy 100,000. And he gets his directions from the company, how much to buy and what rate to buy it at. And quite understandably, when the share price is up, the company just backs off. It tends to try and support the share price when it falls rather than pump the share price when it's up. So Telstra may do nothing, even though they're allowed to start buying shares. Sorry, NAB may do nothing, even though they're allowed to start buying shares tomorrow. Grain Corp up 13% on updated guidance. AMP down on results, no dividend. QBE up 8% on results following Suncorp Group after their results. Good insurance results, more than double their dividend. Dow up 4% on results. Goodman Group down 3%. AGL down 3% on results. 
AGL just disappoints. Disappoints the disappointed. Wouldn't want to disappoint them. Premium PPS have got a new CEO, which is their current acting CEO. So they've just appointed the guy they put in temporarily, which provides some stability. Maya is up 8.5% on guidance as they continue to try and fend off Solly Lou, Solomon Lou. And the CBA and the RBA... Philip Lowe making the comments that payment laws or payments laws are outdated and urgently needed to be broadening, needed to be broadened to ensure technology companies can be regulated. So the RBA is targeting with the approval of the CBA, which is far more important, targeting the likes of Apple, PayPal and now Square forward slash Afterpay. Right, that's about that uh, strategy summary. Let's get to the main bit today. Now, I've written yawn. I'm getting a bit bored of writing the same strategy comments. But I have to say, even though nothing's changing whilst the market's going up, it doesn't get any less important. And the strategy summary at the moment is that the market's trending up. Trends your friend. No need to sell anything or worry about anything till it starts going down, no matter how high it goes. With money printing and low rates, this could go on for years. So routine comments. Yes, it's boring to hear, but don't predict the top. Just let's wait for it. Got a couple of charts of the ASX 200 in the strategy piece showing the trend. So even though we're trending up and we're not doing anything about it, we do have to understand the US and Australian markets are looking expensive compared to history. The S&P is on the highest market cap to GDP ratio in history. And I've put in the Cape Schiller PE ratio chart today. It's at the highest it's been since the peak of the tech boom. The S&P 500 doubled in 18 months. It usually goes up 6% per annum over the last 100 years. So looking expensive. A lot of our major stocks also are on the highest PEs they've been on in years. Now, Reuters has this wonderful chart which allows you to plot the PE history. So I've looked at the forward PE history of a few big stocks. I could put hundreds, not actually hundreds. I could put 50 big stocks in here, which will show you the blue line that the trend in the PE has been up, which is understandable considering interest rates are going down, in which case valuations of stocks and share prices go up, have trended up as interest rates have trended down. But They are now, in some cases, extraordinarily high compared to the 10-year average. So I've put a few stocks in. Woolworths average over the last 10 years, 16.8, now 26.7. Telstra average 10 years, 15.5, now 26.2. Commonwealth Bank average over the last 10 years, 14.3 times currently 20.7 times. So there are a whole load, and that's just three stocks, there are a whole load of stocks where the PE is up to 30% or more above the 10-year average, and many of them are at record highs. So individual stocks, not just the market, looking expensive. And that's Australian rather than you could understand we could look at Apple or Google and say, yes, the PE is much higher. But these are rather boring. Commonwealth Bank, Telstra, Woolworths, these are rather boring industrial stocks in Australia and the PEs are way up there. So our market concerns at the moment include high prices, If you look at the VIX volatility index, we've also got high levels of complacency. In other words, the VIX is at the lowest it's been in years. If you're supposed to buy when others are fearful and sell when others are greedy, then everybody is looking pretty, well, it means you wouldn't be buying at this point because nobody's fearing anything. 
other things to concern yourself about the market, we have hypersensitivity to any interest rate rises. Money printing has become, it's supposed to be occasional, isn't it? It's supposed to bail us out in the toughest of times, but money printing has now become a foundation, a norm. It's in fact become essential to the market, which is a little bit scary because if they back that off at any point, the market's going to use that as an excuse to sell off. At these sort of levels, the markets are also vulnerable to any external shock, any sort of X factor. You could name, I'm sure, a few X factors. One of them might be the relationship with China. Another might be growth rates, which have been fabulous in the last few months in results in the last few months comparing themselves to the pandemic lows. But growth rates are going to peak out when they start comparing themselves to the huge growth seen this year, next year. And the other issue, of course, is the market is overbought technically. Although, as I say, that can go on for years. So the strategy summary, let's try and keep this short, is we are set up for a correction of some sort, but don't bother doing anything about it until it starts. But I do think it is coming. It's definitely coming. Nothing major, just a standard, regular, once every three year correction. Once every three years, the market has a 15, 10 to 15% correction. Once every 10 years, it has a 15 to 50% correction. There's no great fundamental issue, not whilst the money keeps coming, but the herd is capable of losing its head a little bit at these sort of prices and at this sort of altitude. And that is a correction that is probably worth trying to exploit. In other words, selling so you can buy a bit cheaper. Anyway, we wait for that to happen. Meanwhile, I've invited you to email me signs of the top. I remember prior to the GFC, there were a few things that when you look back, you realize, oh my goodness, of course that was the top. Do you remember XYZ? Anyway, do you remember Patterson's, the broker I worked for at the time over the GFC? A small Perth stockbroker put its name on Subiaco Oval and the whole AFL community had to start talking about Patson Oval. I think it was $800,000 a year for a small-time stockbroker. That was a sign of the top. The other sign of the top for me, looking back, was in 2007, three stockbrokers listed on the ASX. Stockbrokers and private partnerships are terrible things to invest in, really, because most of the profits are distributed as bonuses and salaries to those involved before it gets to shareholders. But anyway, three of them listed in 2007, just ahead of the GFC. And all those three stocks, I think two of them listed at $2, one of them listed at $1, but all of them dropped 90%. So signs of the top. Signs of the top I've got this time around is I, I know of one dad in our acquaintance group giving up their job to trade full time. I know a very wealthy business owner who's pocketed $3.5 million in JobKeeper payments and gone and bought a beach house. A 20-year-old friend of one of my kids has turned his JobKeeper money into $40,000 trading shares. And my squirrel-it-away daughter bought shares for the first time with $5,000 earned by working in bars at 25 bucks an hour. Hard-earned cash, and she's lost $1,200 so far in a couple of weeks. In fact, it's a couple of months. So I'm sure there are more. I have asked for signs of the top and provided a link for you to email me. I've already had a couple in. The most obvious has been 
the Reddit event where AMC Entertainment rose 95% in a day because investors got free popcorn. GameStop, remember that? Rocketed, crashed, rocketed again. Arcagus, if I pronounced that right, the hedge fund exposed to the Reddit stocks going bankrupt. APT at one point valued more than Telstra. Coinbase floating at 100 billion US dollars bigger than BP and so it goes on so email me your signs of the top observations you've made which we will look back in the sober light of a corrected market and go oh my goodness we should have known right that's about that as I leave you our market up five it has done its thing and then gone very quiet Dow futures up 24 in the spirit of our last couple of podcasts, I'll leave you with an appropriate tune to play out to. You have a fabulous day, and I will speak to you soon. He said, son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces, knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of aces for a taste of whiskey. I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bombed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold it never count your money when you're sitting at the table there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away knowing what to keep cause every hand's a winner Every hand's a loser And the best that you can hope for Is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking He turned back toward the window Crushed out a cigarette Faded off to sleep And somewhere in the darkness The gambler, he broke even But in his final words I found an ace that I could keep you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count when the deal is done. You got to know when to hold them, when to hold know when to fold them. You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold